CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of To Every Man and Answer, where we take your questions about the Bible, the Christian faith, what we believe, and why we believe it. My name is John Randall, and I'm filling in today for Pastor Mike Kessler. So glad to be here with you in the middle of the week. And joining me today on the program, uh, a friend of our CSN family, Pastor Greg Blanc, a man that I've met before. He's out in Calvary Chapel Community Church, all the way out in South Dakota. Folks, South Dakota. Scenic Rapids City, South Dakota. That's right. City, South Dakota. Hey, what's? can I just ask you, this has been on my mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. And people are calling 888-ASK-CSN. We've got some lines open. Encourage you to call. But hey, listen, Greg, um, what is the best thing about living in South Dakota? Our people really want to know that. It's the people. The people are so sweet. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a recovered Californian, so I'm <laughs> I, I, I I love my Cali friends as well. But uh, uh, there are some of the sweetest people uh, in this part of the country that you will uh, that you will ever meet. And we're fortunate in our fellowship that we have folks that are just they're just hungry to grow in uh in the grace and and knowledge of the lord as we were chatting a little bit earlier uh on a on a on a more carnal plane you know there's some great mountain biking mm. out here so uh so you bring that e-bike out here and we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun maybe uh maybe in the in the fall and then uh the uh the black hills right the black, it's it's just beautiful you know uh, most people probably don't even know where Rapid City is, but if they think Mount Rushmore, they will, uh, they'll have a general idea. And, uh, if you ever have a chance to get away and come to this part of the country, it's, uh, it's beautiful. Great place to, uh, to, uh, to come out for a visit or to raise a family. A lot of people were one of the cities that, uh, a lot of people are moving to, mm-hmm. even though we need missionaries in, uh, in Cali. As well, so everybody don't move out of California. Mm-hmm. There's there, there's still pl- plenty plenty of need there, but uh, you know, I was thinking too as we were talking. You know, you just you shared with me that you've been pastoring there for two decades, for twenty years, and I don't know. You know, sometimes people think that you know pastoring. That's you know, you work one day a week. You must have a Christian <laughs> pastor, you know, you work on not even a day, an hour. The rest of the week, you don't really do much. So, but seriously, for those who know what, what keeps you going? Cause there's a lot of guys right now. Uh, Greg, you hear about it. Statistics are being done, um, or coming out, I should say, as surveys are being done of pastors that are getting out of the ministry and, and quickly for different reasons. But yeah, I suppose I want to ask you, having pastored for two decades, um, what is it? That really keeps you going. And maybe there's some people today listening. And by the way, there's still time to call 888-ASK-CSN. But maybe some people listening right now who are in ministry, maybe it's bivocational, maybe they're in ministry full-time. Hey, what what keeps you going? Yeah, you know, I, I, I love to invest. And I know that you do this as well, John. I love to invest in younger guys who look at, uh, at, at the romantic side of ministry. They don't have... They have no understanding. <laughs> they they look at it and they go, oh, it would be so great, you know, to be a pastor. And I 
uh, I tell people what you probably tell people all the time is if you can do anything else, mm. if you can, if you can serve the Lord in any other capacity, uh, do it. But if you have, if you, if the Lord has laid a burden on your heart, if, you know, before I formed you in the womb, I, I honored you a prophet to the nations. That's what, uh, the Lord told to Jeremiah that you, you, you just can't kick against the goads, and you know that you'd be disobedient if uh, if you left. Even though every pastor will tell you that the, there are such great blessings, there are such great highs from serving the Lord by being an under shepherd to Him and and uh, overseeing a portion of God's flock under your care, and then there are days that it's just very difficult to uh to uh to want to stay in ministry when when you don't feel like uh um you're appreciated or you're needed or you're always challenged you know on something so uh you you just have to you know i think in in first samuel 30 uh david said that there are times that you just have to strengthen yourself in the lord and uh and that's something if anybody's out there listening and you're you're thinking that God is calling you to ministry praise the lord it's 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 incredible but but make sure that you're getting confirmation from other godly men maybe even other godly women that are in your life that will confirm that uh that this is this is a gift that God has uh has called you to what do you think john I agree with what you. What keeps you in ministry? You've I'll been in ministry what, longer than I have. You had to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I always want to tell people, and we're about to go to a call here, but what I want to tell people is that ministry is an overflow of your relationship with Jesus. And and it, and that's where it starts, and that's what keeps you going. It's coming back to the source, and that's uh, and that's Jesus Christ. And so such good answers. And today we have a question uh, right straight away here from Lisa. We're going to go to Fort Worth, Texas. Lisa, how can we help you today? Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. Um, in Genesis four twenty six, it says that men began calling on the Lord. Before that, Cain, God talked to Cain, and Cain talked to God. I'm I'm just kind of curious what what kind of changed. What what does that mean? Men began calling on the Lord. Right. It shows you there, as you said, there in Genesis chapter four, right in the beginning that, uh, you know, Cain's talking to the Lord. And then, then you find this. So, so when it says, does it mean the same thing or does it mean something different? Um, Pastor Greg, how would you answer that? What do you think it means when it says that men began calling on the name of the Lord? Well, I think men is there, there have always been men that have been calling on, uh, on the name of the Lord, but I think that it means that there was a a time where many more, you know, many more were calling on him. And, uh, you know, it says uh, in verse 26, actually, I'll, uh, I'll back up to verse 25. It says in Genesis 4, 25, it says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth, for God had appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, who Cain killed. And then it says in verse 26, and as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Uh, then man began to call on the name of the Lord. So um, 
it's just a uh, just a great nugget of wisdom that the people are here are identifying themselves they're separating themselves a little bit from the world and they're no longer doing following in the footsteps of Cain but following in the footsteps of those who would uh, who would seek the Lord John yeah, that's an excellent response. Yeah, Lisa, I, I think it's just talking about more people are now calling upon the Lord. And I tell you what, there's something that's definitely needed in the days in which we're living. We need to be praying that more men and women would be calling on the name of the Lord. You know, the Bible does say, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love the fact when I think about calling on the Lord, uh, he's always answering. It's never, he doesn't put us on hold, Greg. He doesn't say, um, you know, for wait for the next <laughs> thousand years and the Holy Spirit will get to you. Uh, line three. No, he calls. When we call, he answers. And Lisa, I hope that helps you out there in Fort Worth. It certainly will. Call to me and I will tell you great things. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I will guys. answer you. Yeah, right. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things you did not know. One of my favorites right there. I think that's Jeremiah 3033. 33. Yeah. It's my memory verse this week. So there's confirmation. Hey, you me. nailed it. Way to go. Good job, Lisa. Hey, if you stick on the line, we'll uh, be sure to send you out some materials here that will be a blessing to you. Thanks again for listening, for calling out there from Texas. And uh, let's go to our next caller, Brian in Virginia. Brian, how are you? Welcome to the program. Glad to have you on today. How can we help you? Thank you. Uh, well, my question was, I often hear pastor, the different pastors on there um, talk about our liberties. They come from God. And I wouldn't disagree with that in any way. But how would I, is there any scriptures you have that go along with that or any you know, explanation that I could give somebody? Now, when you speak of our liberties, um, just to clarify a little bit, Brian, do you mean, uh, can you be a little more specific in that? Um, you know, I guess freedom to, uh, you know, uh, worship God, to, um, you know, um, to pray, to, you know, just to be Christians. Uh, like I said, I've, I've heard you guys comment on that before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just basically uh, liberties of freedom and freedom of speech and, and such. You know, I've heard you guys say that that comes, you know, our liberties come from God. And like I said, I agree, but I would just like to right. know, you know, more about that. Okay. Yeah, it's a great question, Brian, especially in the days in which we're living when so many of our, quote, freedoms, especially in this country um, that was founded by our founding fathers, the Constitution. Ultimately, God was the one that brought us into existence. But a lot of people are questioning and some people challenging. And do we have the freedom to do this? And should we as Christians stand against those that would oppose our liberties? What about Romans chapter 13? What about what does it say about governing authorities? You know, Greg, when you talk about liberties that we've been given and that the Lord has endowed us with, uh, where does that come from? Where do we arrive at that conclusion that our liberty comes from God? Well, I think that, uh, I think that all our rules for living come from God, including, including our liberty and, and the greatest liberty that he has given us is is to worship him. You know, we, we have these little things called the constitution and amendments that, that actually legally provide us the ability to have freedom of speech and freedom of worship and that no man, you know, shall make law that would prevent that. And at the same time, we are living in an age of lawlessness where, where it, it doesn't matter what the the constitution says it doesn't certainly doesn't matter to most people what god what god say and i think that uh i think that now 
uh, John, you know this, that now is a time where we need to stand firm. I think that, I think that the body of Christ has, has relegated the influence, you know, we're, we're, we're to be salt and light and we are to be the ones who are influencing the culture, not the culture influencing us. And they're trying to shut us up and God is wanting us to stand up. So, uh, anytime that we do make a stand, knowing that those liberties do come from our, from our king and our savior, he's, he's our commander in chief. He's our ultimate commander in chief. So we do what he says. We just try to do it in a way that, you know, we don't want to be obnoxious. We don't want to be, uh, you know, we don't want to be the screamer. We, not that there isn't a time for picketing, but we don't want to jump, you know, every chance we have a picket. The Bible says, come now, let us reason together. And, uh, uh, I think when it comes to our religious liberties, we, we just need to be very, we need to be very vocal, unashamedly vocal. What do you think, John? You know, these are actually, when you think about it, you look at the early church, Brian, for example, and you think about when the early church began, Jesus gave them a command. He told them to go and preach the gospel into all the world. It wasn't the great suggestion. It was the great commission. (laughs) So they were supposed to go out. This was a command. They were to proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they did have religious liberty in that sense, but there was a clash with the religious leaders. And there came a point when they were proclaiming the resurrection. And there are other parts of the world even now that if you try to speak the the gospel or the name of Jesus, you can be incarcerated. You can be put in prison, separated from your family. And yet the disciples in the early church, they had to make a decision. Are we going to obey man? Are we going to obey God? And so for us, I think knowing that we've been given a command and we've been given a choice either to obey that command or disregard it, um, I'm going to, by the grace of God, through the power of the Spirit, I'm going to exercise that liberty to obey God regardless of what this world says. And so I do believe that our liberties come from the Lord. We talk about real freedom too, by the way. I want to mention that because you can be in a country that doesn't have a constitution or you wouldn't be classified as a free society and yet you can be free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We are freed from the bondage and captivity of sin that we were enslaved to. That's real liberty. That's real freedom. But I do believe that we are endowed by our creator with this free will, with this ability to choose. And I want to be obedient to those commands, even if it stands in the face of the culture. And I will say, Brian, you know this, uh, there in Virginia, it does stand in the face of the culture, but we exercise that liberty um, that God's given us and we do it for his glory. Does that help you, Brian? Yes, it does. Thank you. It does help. All right, brother. Thanks so much for calling out there in Virginia. God bless you. Encourage you to stay on the line. We'd love to send some materials out to you. That will be an encouragement to you in your walk with the Lord. Again, if you'd like to call today, 888-ASK-CSN. I got Pastor Greg Blanc on the line with us and answering your questions. But now let's go out to Carl in Buell, Idaho. Carl, what's the weather like out there in Buell? Oh, it's nice and 40 degrees. Ooh, man. Stay warm, my brother. How can we help you today? (laughs) Okay, my question um, is geared um, towards the Mormon uh, doctrine, and um, my question is coming out of Genesis fourteen eighteen, and it's talking about uh, the Melchizedek king of Salem, and um, we understand that uh, the Mormon uh, doctrine is kind of based on the the uh, priesthood, 
And uh, my question is, is how can I explain or what is the best way that I can word it so that they, so a Mormon missionary or someone from the Mormon religion can understand that as a Christian, we understand that as a theophany. But when I bring that up, uh, they kind of get uh, all glary-eyed and they don't quite understand what I'm trying to say. And I'm trying to get them to understand that Melchizedek is a one-time deal, that Jesus Christ uh, receives the Melchizedek priesthood forever, and there's no need for the priesthood anymore. But yet they don't quite get that verse, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to maybe find a better way to explain it to them. Right. Well, that's a great question, Carl. You know, first of all, let me just say concerning Mormonism, if you're unclear about this to our listeners, Mormonism is a cult. And the reason we say that is because they teach a different Jesus. Oh, they talk about Jesus, but it's not the same Jesus that you and I refer to in the scriptures. Uh, they also use other books, um, the Doctrine of Covenants, the Book of Mormon, and these contradict scripture. And whenever you have books that contradict scripture and being held as authority above scripture, you know, it's false. It's false doctrine. The Mormons are very sincere. They work really hard because they have to. They go on missions. They devote their time. They do all kinds of things. Um, But they also have aberrant doctrines that are not found in Bible, such as uh, that Jesus and the devil were spirit brothers. Now, maybe your your average Mormon on the street who comes to your door, maybe he's the trainee and not the trainer, might not know. But the further you go in Mormonism, the more uh, strange it becomes and further and further away from biblical doctrine you find. And so sometimes it's difficult to dialogue with the Mormon and you need to pray. You need to pray that God would open their eyes because the fact is they're blinded. They have been deceived. And when you come to these things like they, they use, for example, as you mentioned, Carl, they end up using this as, well, you know, we're part of that particular priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood. They don't understand it. And part of the reason because they believe in a different Jesus. But, you know, Greg, if you were going to respond to a Mormon coming to your door, um, how would you present that argument um, in order to perhaps open their eyes to the truth? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because when I first got saved – I was a Mormon magnet. They were coming to my house. They were coming to all my house all, all the time. And I knew, I knew nothing, you know, I knew nothing except that I was saved by grace through faith, gift of God, not of works, but so that no man can boast. And so they would come and they would, uh, they would, they would try to have me sit down and, and, uh, and go through their six lessons, and and uh, I never went through the lessons with them, but I always had a heart for them because uh, I'm thinking at least they're out there knocking on doors. I mean, I love to go and knock on doors and and talk to people about Jesus, but but that's something that that uh, my pastor Mike McIntosh always taught us that that we should that that they are willing to do for a lie what we are unwilling to do for the truth. So the first thing that I learned, John, was that uh, they use they use the same words, right? They use the same words that we do. They use they use the same vocabulary. They just use a uh, a, a different dictionary. So when they talk about salvation or exaltation. Uh, or even the, the church or priesthood or any of those things, they are going off of what you had mentioned, what they've 
been taught, not necessarily what's taught in the Book of Mormon, but what's taught in the Pearl of Great Prize and uh, the other books uh, that they have, Doctrine and Covenants, and and uh, there's some some pretty wacky stuff in there, but you want to go through and uh, and and be reminded because they will often say that 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 it's that it's evangelical Christians who who are attacking them, but uh, that's that's not what happened. Uh, Joseph Smith asked what what uh, what church he should what he, church he should join when he had that little visitation from the the angel Moroni. We used to call him the Phoni Moroni. And uh, and uh, the answer was, you shall not join any of them because they are all an abomination. So ultimately, we have to remember that is what they're being, that is what they're being taught. So you don't have to know every doctrine of Mormonism. What you need to know is your Bible and know it really well. And and just stick to who is Jesus? Why do you not believe that Jesus is God? And then you point them to all the scriptures that uh, that clearly uh, uh, show Jesus is God. John, I believe that is a great response. And Carl, I would encourage you along those same lines just to emphasize who Jesus is, because um, and you could try to present that. And it's a great argument that you bring as it relates to the, the Christophanies or Theophanies there with the Melchizedek priesthood. But you might get in the weeds on that. I think I would just emphasize, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said he was God. And you can go through the New Testament, highlight all of those particular passages. And that contradicts what they teach. I mean, they're normally they're loving, very kind people, but they're deceived by a false religion that, first of all, distorts the nature of God the person of Jesus Christ, and the means of salvation. So I would keep it on Jesus, brother, and I think that'd be the best way. I know here, if you hang on the line, we have some materials that we could probably send you uh, that we've sent out before that could help you as it relates to Mormonism. Does that help you, Carl? Okay, yeah, it does. And uh, just throw this in real quick. That is kind of a uh, a deep statement to get involved with. Uh, my best yeah. deal right now is I try to get them to read the book of Hebrews. Right. which deals a whole lot more with the priesthood and, and exactly what's taking place. So anyway, well, hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You got it, Carl. Thanks so much for calling, brother. Hey, stay after it. Keep witnessing. Keep sharing your faith. Keep loving people. Keep pointing them to Jesus because, listen, it's the Spirit of God that saves people. We can, we're can we not there to save people. We're, tell, we're there to tell people how to get saved. So you continue to be faithful. Keep planting those seeds, and we'll pray that God will open the eyes of those that are listening to what you're sharing. Well, let's go out to Steve in Rimrock, Arizona. Steve, welcome to the program. Great to have you on. How can we help you today? Yeah, <clears throat> nice talking to you. I, I didn't get your name. Oh, I'm John, and you're on with John, John. Randall and Greg Blanc. Okay, and uh, Greg, huh? Yep. How you doing, Steve? Good. Thanks for I, calling in. Oh, I wanted to... Uh, uh, tell that caller you just had that uh, the uh, uh, book of book of Galatians, Paul says, uh, you're not to even invite these people into your home. Right. That uh, right. are Good preaching point. these. And so, so it, it's, we're, we're not to play with, I mean, these people are sent out and we, we know that they're, they're blinded and, and uh, uh, we got enough to deal with on the, on the body of Christ as far as, you know, trying to get a, uh, uh, people a little, little more uh, biblical, but 
Yeah, I don't think we're I don't think we're to waste any time. They've made their decision, and uh, we're not to invite these people into the into our homes. And they and they are a uh, oh what what's the word I want to use? Lost. Uh, but Steve, you you got a question <laughs> on First Timothy here. We want to help you. Yeah, How can we help uh, you? Yeah. Um, well, I was just it's just so exciting what what Paul gives us here. You know in uh, in uh, six, chapter 6 of 16, and it says, uh, uh, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And I was just thinking, what a what a wonderful thing that God gave us through Paul to uh, give us a, a much a much uh, better picture of the Lord God because I deal with in in what I do for a living I I deal with energy and energy uh, of course heat energy uh, which comes from light is the source of all known energy in the universe and without without God having that heat energy, which can be measured and, and uh, calculated and uh, uh, works in physics perfect. But here's here's God Almighty, and it's just, I, I think it's just such a wonderful thing to know that God the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son are totally one, and they are pure energy that, that mankind knows nothing about. But yeah, boy, what a day it's going to be when we get to see him, huh? Isn't that going to be amazing? We actually get to, well, to go in well, that inapproachable light. We we don't no, we don't <laughs> we don't ever get to see that. That is. Well, when we get to heaven, is, we will. When we get to heaven, we're going to see it. No, it says it says you'll never you'll never be able to see it because this light unapproachable that that is energy that is so so absolute powerful and. And uh, okay. no, we we can. We What's can your never, question? We can is there a question on that? that. Is there a question? Well, that one, yeah, Steve? Just, not so much of a question. It's just a oh. beautiful fact that oh, God yeah. has allowed us to see Him in a form that He truly is, and that's unapproachable light. And All right. No, nobody, nobody can ever ever enter into that realm. So it's it's still a beautiful thing that God is totally holy, and and there are things of God Almighty that that uh, he is only God Almighty will have that. The Amen. Holy what a good reminder that is, Greg, you know, just to yeah. think about the Lord who dwells in this unapproachable light. And yes, this side of heaven, we haven't seen him, but you know what? There's coming a day. Amen. Right? We'll be in the midst of his glory and it's going to outshine the sun. We're going to see him as he is, the Bible says, because we're going to be in all his glory. Amen. Well, folks, we're coming up on the break here. We're halfway through our Wednesday edition of the Every Man and Answer. Stick around. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It's people who encourage and pray for each other, too. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. 
Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now, before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Tragically, every minute, unborn babies' futures are sucked out of existence. But amid the darkness, there's a light that shines. Preborn introduces mothers considering abortion to their unborn babies through ultrasound. Once she hears that heartbeat and sees a precious life, the majority of the time, she will choose life. When I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was, I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was was blessed with the ability to carry life inside of my body and that baby was supposed to be here for something and that was all that mattered. Preborn equips centers nationwide to save babies lives and souls and has rescued over 200,000 babies lives through ultrasound. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn call 855-668-BABY that's 855-668-BABY or visit preborn.com that's preborn.com all gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. Welcome back to our second half of this Wednesday edition of To Every Man and Answer. If you have a question about the Christian faith, about the Bible, what we believe and why we believe it, encourage you, call us here at 8888-ASK-CSN. That number again, 8888-ASK-CSN. We'd love to hear from you. So glad to be able to speak with our callers all over the country. Well, right now we're going out to Tom. Uh, Tom, where are you located there? Is it Kansas City? Where are you at? I'm out. I'm in my corral right now feeding cows. Well, there you go, man. That's awesome. That's great. All the way to a barn? This is exciting. No, no, it's outside corral. All right. Well, how can we help you, brother? What's going on? My question is, uh, one of you was on the radio yesterday, I believe, talking about the pathway that uh, when uh, when Adam and Eve were evicted from the garden, that the cherubim were placed there to keep them out, but... I've often heard it said that the cherubim were placed there to keep the path open for us and for mankind to uh, achieve salvation through Christ. Mm. Well, if you go back to Genesis, and I'm going to, in a moment, ask our our pastor here with us here, Greg uh, Blanc, to look that scripture up. But it does talk about when Adam and Eve sinned, that uh, after they sinned, you remember the Lord came and found them there in Genesis chapter 3. And, and it also says, interestingly enough, they tried to cover themselves up in fig leaves. That was their attempt. Would have been painful. Um, but the Lord then came <laughs> little to itchy. Them said, Yeah, a little itchy. Came to them and said, where are you? And, of course, Adam revealed himself. And they had this discussion. The Lord told them the consequences of their sin that would follow. And it also said this, the Lord God made tunics for them and covered them. What did he cover them with? Some suggest maybe a lamb. Maybe that was what happened. A lamb was offered. We don't know for sure, but we know that God covered them. But then after that, they were removed from the Garden of Eden, and there was an angel placed there. And Pastor Greg, can you tell us 
Um, was that open for us to salvation or was that like, this is blocked off from now on and salvation is coming much later. The Lord talked about it there in Genesis three in the, what's called the proto evangelium, that there was one coming from the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent, pointing to something later on uh, that would come. But what's your thoughts on that? Let me read uh, so the rest of the audience will understand exactly what we're talking about because it's a it, it's a great it's a great question in Genesis chapter three. Let's pick things up in verse twenty two. It says, "And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, uh, lest he put his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. That's the key. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden to till the ground." Um, from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed uh, cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned uh, every way to guard the way to the tree of life. What we have to remember is that uh, God is omniscient. That means he can't learn. He knew, he knew the decision that Adam and Eve we're going to make, but that's what happens when we're created with a free will. We have the freedom. We have the freedom of, uh, of choice. So, uh, it doesn't mean that we don't to have access to, uh, to eternal life. It's just saying that, well, the understanding is there that Adam and Eve were created. They were created as far as we know to live eternally and death only came into the world when uh they chose to violate how many commands were were they, were they given pastor john just one just one and how many did they violate the one, one. <laughs> yeah yeah that one so um that uh um that'd be my input what do you got john no, I agree. I think that's the reason right there. I think we, when it comes to that, I think we go with what the text declares um, and we stick with that. And uh, Tom, I appreciate the question. It's a great question. Yes. Does that help you? I think so. Yes. I just, uh, like I said, I just heard that, you know, a spouse that uh, that might be the reason that they were, they were put there. Well, we do know for sure salvation is open to us and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen to that, huh, Tom? Hallelujah. Correct, and and the thing of it is, in the big scheme of things, that's kind of a not a it's a question, but it's not it doesn't have anything to do with salvation, right? But isn't it interesting though, Tom, when you read through the Bible? I mean, this happens to me too. Like, there's those questions that you go, I wonder, and and you think, I don't know, but maybe we speculate, and it's kind of fun to do. And then we just kind of stick with what it what it says. But I got a lot of questions for the Lord. Uh, I'm sure they're all going to be answered <laughs> when we get there. But I have a question for you, Tom. You said you're out in the in the pen there. What do you what are you caring for out there? What are you taking care of out there? Oh, I got some. Uh, I got some cows here. I was. I feed them every evening, and they all gather around, and I feed them range cubes out of my hand. I like. I like my cows calm and easy to find. There you go, brother. I would say, holy cow! No, I'm kidding. Hey, Tom, uh, look at that, Colin, brother. No, they're, not, the they're, they're not. They're greedy cows. Oh, greedy cows. All right, bro. Hey, listen. If you stay on the line, we'd love to send you out some materials. Thanks so much for calling. Great question, and God bless you, Tom. Hey, let's head out to Carol. In Charleston, South Carolina, Charleston, I love Charleston. That is a great area. I've been out there before, Folly Beach, surf that spot. Carol, how are you? Welcome to the program today. Uh, I'm doing great, pastors. I want to thank you for this ministry. I've probably listened for about 12 years, 
And, um, you know, it's been a, a major part of my personal growth. So thank you. And being a tower keeper is a pleasure on my oh, part. So, you know, I, um, I have a couple of references here. First Corinthians 6, uh, verses 9 through 11. Now, I understand all that, the list of uh, mm-hmm. the unrighteous, et cetera. And Pastor Mike has gone over that several times. I understand it's those who practice, et cetera. And then it goes on in 11, and such were some of you. And I understand that part, and that we were washed, sanctified, and justified by the Spirit. So then you jump over to verse number 18. And when I study, I try to think about what I've read, excuse me, and it says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And then it goes on, don't you know that you're the, that's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when I think about this, and I totally understand that if you confess and repent, God is faithful. And that gets, you know, separated as far as the East is from the West. And I understand that. But there's nothing as far as I know from Genesis to Revelation that says you aren't going to suffer the ramification of sin. Whatever, even if it's not like this sin, mm-hmm. there's something that God tells us don't do it because it's not going to bode well for you, correct? Yes. But he also yes. tells us that he is faithful if we confess and repent, correct? So then yes. my thinking is, even though we may confess sexual immorality, we've already done the sin damage. And this specifies it's to our own body. So when I think about this, I'm a retired nurse. When I think about this, I say, gee, you're sinning against your own body, that ripple effect is going to manifest, whether it's today or 10 years from now or whatever. My question is, I start thinking and I say, wow, if you're sinning against your own body, that may even imply it goes, it affects you perhaps down to cellular structure. If committing that sin. Right. Even though you've confessed and repented. So my question to you is, people don't like to hear that you're going to be held accountable. But we all are Mm. for our sin. I suffer with my lungs because I was a former smoker. I confessed. I repented. I quit. But I have a lung condition now. So God forgave me, but Mm. I'm suffering the ramification. Correct? <clears throat> so, that would be a byproduct of, are, yeah, are, is, I don't know if this is rhetorical or you're, I'm just agreeing with you. Yes, you, you know, definitely affect your lungs. If, if you're asking, could, is the question, if I understand it correctly, Carol, does, could some of the sins that we involve in affect us in our bodies? Is that what you're asking? Because specifically this one is where you sin against your own body. Right. So you have yes, to so really- heaven, but can a person down the line suffer something in their body because having done that sin. 
Right. Well, I think that's a really good question. You know, the Bible says that whatever you sow to, you will reap. We reap what we sow. If you sow to the flesh, you can of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you can reap everlasting life. To answer the question, yes, there are certain sins and sin in general. The Bible says sin brings forth death. It could be physical death. It could be death to relationships, death to things that were at one time alive. We don't want to mess around with sin at all. We're to, as Paul says here, flee sexual immorality. That means run from it because of the fact of, of the way that it will affect you. And this particular sin can affect you dramatically because of because of what you're involved with. You're having a relationship outside of the marriage. You're involved in something that was reserved uh, for the marital relationship. It can affect you emotionally. It can affect you physically. There are There can be unwanted pregnancies. There are consequences to sin. So, But I also want to say, yes, the blood of Jesus, 1 John tells us, can cleanse us from all sin. Now, David was cleansed from his sin, but there were certain ramifications that followed. The Lord said to him when he confessed that you are forgiven, but the sword isn't going to depart from your house. I mean, there were consequences that followed David's life, unfortunately, even though he was called a man after God's own heart by the Lord. So yes, there are consequences of sin. We want to avoid it. It can have a dramatic impact later on down the line. If you did drugs, for example, as a young person, You know, maybe later on you're hit with hepatitis because you used a bad needle. You're forgiven. You're born again. You're on your way to heaven, but maybe that's the consequence or God could even heal you. Pastor Greg, what would you say to that? You gave the perfect example of consequences done in the body and the perfect example of forgiveness of that. You know, uh, I, I love, who doesn't love first John 1 9? Um, you confess your sins. God is faithful just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I remember uh, probably going back to 1989 when I got saved that that uh, I, w- I heard that referred to as the Christian bar of soap. And that there is there is no sin too great that God can't forgive. But exactly as um, uh, Carol is sharing with us now, there at least most of the time, there are physical consequences for what we have done in the body. You know, there's there's people who uh, who grew up in an environment like I did back in the day, and it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And a lot of those a lot of those people, even though they've gotten saved, they've repented of their sin, they're walking in the light as he is in the light. Maybe they still have an STD, or or for those of us that did a bunch of drugs back in the day and killed a bunch of brain cells. Um, God has the ability to to restore a man's mind. He certainly did that with my pastor, with Mike McIntosh, and and uh, there's examples of that in in God's Word. But then there's plenty of guys that uh, you know, like me. I've I tell people all the time, I'm I'm down to my last six brain cells, so I'm only I'm only using one of them at uh, at a time, and I'm working them hard. So those are things that yes, there are physical physical consequences to that. I think the important thing to remember there, Carol, is the context of what you're talking about there in uh, in First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians six. six right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. We just have to remember, and I, I think this is here's a word for the church, right? God takes sexual immorality very seriously. Uh, it doesn't matter what culture we are living in. He gave mankind sex as 
something to be practiced between one man, one woman, one husband, one wife. And ultimately, ultimately, a lot of that is a reflection of the intimacy that God desires, not in a physical way, but God wants us to be uh, intimate and have have uh, a, a unique relationship. So when we go outside those bounds and we abuse the gifts that he's given us, there uh, they're very often are consequences. And and I think you're about, Carol, to get to verse 20 that says, for, for you were bought at a price and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So just remember Galatians 2.20, you know, it's no longer I who live, but God who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live unto him who loved me and gave himself for me. Pastor John? Amen. Carol, I hope that helps. And it's a great question and insight you brought up. And thank you for being a tower keeper and being such a amazing supporter of the ministry here. We're so grateful for for you and so many who are faithful, who serve alongside of us here. Does that help you? Yes, it does. It uh, it clarifies. I just wanted to make sure that my thought thinking process was going down the right path because, mm. yes, we are forgiven. Yes, we get sanctified and made holy by the Holy Spirit, etc. And most of us, especially as we age, do turn around and, and start walking a better path than yeah. everything that that we used to do. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that my thought process was, you know, there are ramifications. Yep. Yep. You're right on target. And you were a good student of the word, good Berean there out in Charleston, South Carolina. Again, thanks so much for calling, Carol. If you want to hang on the line, I'm sure we'd, we'd love to send you some materials. And just so appreciative, again, of your partnership with us. And thank you for your prayers. Let's go out to Lisa in Lake Los Angeles, California. Lisa, welcome to the program. You're on to Every Man and Answer. How can we help you today? Hi there. Can you hear me okay? I got you loud and clear. Okay. Uh, I just want to appreciate, say I appreciate how much you guys uh, help uh, all of us Christians out here <laughs> teach us so many great things. Um, I just wanted to um, run this by a couple of you pastors there. Um, I've been a Christian most of my life. I've been saved at 10 and I'm like over 60 now. And uh, I've been serving in Calvary Chapel churches for many years in different uh, states and different places, but uh, for a long time. Um, I'm in one now that um, the pastor's new for the past 10 months, and everything's been going fine until we um, got up. We had a servants' meeting, and uh, he passed out um, literature and um, a book, actually a Calvary Chapel, a Chuck Smith book with a study guide. And uh, once everybody that serves to um, fill out the booklet and turn it in so they can re- look at the answers and have everyone who serves to sign a, a statement of faith um, agreement. And if we don't uh, sign it, then we will be removed from serving. And I've never been to a Calvary Chapel church or any church that required that. And so um, I was just wondering uh if there was a red flag I should be watching for. And, and in addition, um, he he's flat out said he's not going to be teaching anything on any government or any political issues at all. And mm. um, which, uh, you know, so that includes, I su- I'm supposing a Bible prophecy, um, which we ha- he hasn't really spoken on in the last 10 months. So my question is, um, um, should I, 
give them some more time, fill out all this paperwork, sign this agreement, um, and keep, keep on keeping on and pray, just keep praying that he'll, he'll get better, or should I find some else, somewhere else to go? Oh. Uh, right. One other thing is I had to fill out a background check, and they lost it, and so they want me to fill it out again, and there's a lot of personal information on a background check, and so I'm, that's a bit of, a, of annoying but um, anyway, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Well, it's a really great, great question that you ask. You know, I've been pastoring uh, a Calvary Chapel church for over 26 years, uh, growing up in Calvary Chapel. So I've been a part of the movement, if you could say, since 1974. It's when we started going to church at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. I was just a little nugget back then. But here's what I want to say. I mean, I think if I'm speaking from a pastor's perspective on this, you know, I, I believe your pastor's probably wanting to get everybody on the same page. So having him read through, let's say, Calvary Distinctives, which may be the book he's using, you know, just, hey, guys, I want you to know where we stand on this. And I want you to know what our statement of faith is so that we're all on the same page and so that we can be unified in in going forward. I would encourage you, if you feel like this is your home church, to read. The, it's not going to uh, not be a benefit to read through. And maybe you'll see something on there um I'm sure having served in Calvary chapels, you're probably going to agree with the majority of what's said, or you wouldn't be attending a Calvary chapel. He's probably trying to be more clear on getting everybody on the same page. And even for us, we do background checks. You have to nowadays. It protects you. It protects your congregation. It protects the children's ministry. You have to do it. I mean, it's a crazy world that we're living in. It's unfortunate that they lost yours. I'm sure that was uh, not on purpose. So I would refill it out if you feel like that's where you want to go. And, and, but I'm sure that that's the reason why, uh, his intention is that you guys would be unified and going forward. And if you don't feel unified and you don't feel like you bear witness, then I would say maybe God has somewhere else for you, but, but I'm sure that's his intention. Greg, your thoughts. Yeah. First thing is the bottom line is go and talk to your pastor. You know, uh, it may be a misunderstanding. Ask him, ask him his heart. You have, you have a right to ask your pastor those questions. And I'm, I'm sure that he would probably be more than happy to, uh, to answer any of those for you. I agree with uh, Pastor John that there is an importance of making sure that people are on the same page, especially, especially doctrinally. Um, I want to commend you for having a heart of service. Uh, Lisa, that's, that's incredible. So don't, don't, don't stop serving because there's this, uh, this little hiccup for now. Every ministry, our ministry as well, we have a ministry uh, application and the days of the one page mini, uh, testimony, uh, <laughs> uh ministry application. Those are long gone. It's just the, the times and the culture that we live in. We need to do our best for the safety of the body of Christ to uh, to do those kinds of background checks and make sure that there's there's people that that haven't, uh, especially for children's ministry and other ministries, haven't uh, haven't uh, had you know uh, been on any registries that that uh, that would disallow them from serving in that capacity, but. There's there's nothing wrong with the ministry overseer wanting to make sure that uh, that you're on the same page doctrinally and and in agreement with uh, the statement of faith. Um, I know that sometimes, uh, Lisa, we can take these things personally, uh, 
And I, I don't think you're doing that, but, but at times I know that I have taken things personally like this before, and it's kind of clouded the, the bigger picture. So I would, uh, I would just make an appointment and go and go and sit down. You and your husband go and sit down and uh, and talk to your pastor and and get some better clarification. It will probably it'll probably bring um, you and uh, that pastor and that ministry closer together as uh, as a result. Pastor John, you know I agree with that. And the one thing I would say to the second part of your question, Lisa, and and this is important. And if you're a pastor, or you're a leader in a church, and listen, pastors should not be ashamed to handle political issues that come up from the pulpit because your people want to know. For example, abortion. Where do you stand on that? And I'm not saying you have to preach, you know, uh, exegete CNN every week and bring up every single thing going on in the culture. Your people are aware. But you also shouldn't be ashamed to stand against the evil that's going on and be willing to talk about it. And if you aren't, then I think you do a great disservice to your people. So we're not going to be political. As if Abortion was a political issue. It's not a political issue. It's a human rights issue. We should stand and we should be bold. And truthfully, there needs to be more pastors out there who are bold in their faith and willing to stand for what's right. Listen, who's, what were the prophets doing? The prophets were standing up to kings and rulers and they were saying things that needed to be said. John the Baptist, I mean, he was a pretty straight shooter when it came to the <laughs> truth. Listen, we cannot afford not to speak. I'm not saying be belligerent or disrespectful or rude, but I am saying as a shepherd among the flock of God, you, me, we have a responsibility to stand and to tell your people, well, I'm not going to talk about anything political. I, w- I would I would check yourself on that. I would really make sure that that's the Lord, not you. Sometimes you want to avoid it, but why are you avoiding it? Your people need to know. So Lisa, that would be my one side note on that, that I would question him. Can you, I would ask him, can you elaborate on why? You don't want to talk about it. And what do you consider political? And because uh, there's a lot of guys that they get out of talking about difficult things by just saying, we're not going to talk about that. Well, I think you do a great disservice because your people are listening to other places that are talking to them and they need to hear what their pastor has to say on it from a biblical uh, perspective. So I think that's really important myself. Does that help you, Lisa? Yes, I agree with you 100 um, percent on that. Um, I have been um, learning um, Bible prophecy from other uh, other Calvary Chapel pastors like Jack Hibbs and, and you know all the the guys that uh, are on the radio and other um, platforms. But um, I, I mean, I try to uh, go right to what God would have me to learn, not, not just willy nilly. You know, um, that's good. But I I, I do um, I'm a little concerned because I feel partly that um, he is such a new pastor and he teaches a lot of milk and not not in the meat of for the mature christians so mm. I, I guess i'm gonna have to like you uh, like suggested sit down with him and talk to him about that because i i mean i know i can get meat in other places but and and uh, not everybody is ready for the meat of the word but but yeah. i know i'm Let's... missing it a little bit and and while i'm at church well, I appreciate you sharing all those things. And I think that's great. You know, we're coming up on it. We're just about to end here. We got about a minute, about 30 seconds left on the program today. And at least encourage you to hang on the line if you'd like. We'd love to send you out some materials that would encourage you. But hey, listen, folks, if you're looking for a church, look for a church that teaches the word of God and look for and men who are willing to stand uh, and be bold uh, in the word of God. 
All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us here. Pastor Greg Blanc out there. Love you, brother. I love you too, man. Yeah, man. Look forward to seeing you guys next time. Right here. Or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Everyman and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 